Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or mobulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, I'm a programmer at TIFF now, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guests this week are Aaron Jackson and Joshua Sharp, who you might know as the writers and stars of Dicks the Musical, the absolutely banana pants musical comedy where they play identical twins who decide to parent trap the mother and father who split them up at birth, only to discover that those parents, played by Megan Mullally and Nathan Lane, are absolute freaks. It opened Tiff's Midnight Madness program last month, and now it's rampaging through theaters across North America. It really is a glorious experience for the crowd. Aaron and Josh picked Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, the 2020 Netflix musical written by Maria S. Schlatter and directed by Debbie Allen, with 14 songs written by Dolly herself. It's a stage pageant come to life, with Parton playing an angel determined to give Christine Baranski's Scrooge-like villain, the nasty big city business lady Regina Fuller, a chance to change her ways before she sells off not just somebody's house, but her entire hometown. There's also a couple trying to have a baby, a trainee angel, a secret adoption story, a little girl bartender, and Treat Williams singing songs about how it's important to hold on to memories. It's all very busy, and yet, thanks to Baranski, Williams, and a cast of ringers that includes Jennifer Lewis, Josh Segarra, Janine Mason, Matthew Johnson, and Mary Lane Haskell, it's also kind of sweet and earnest and even moving. I really can't explain it. You should probably see it before you listen to this episode. This is someone else's movie. Well, we love Dolly, you know, and she's been in a lot of big budget movies and and I think is like a, a obviously an incredible performer. But when that came out, Josh and I were in the same COVID bubble. Um, so we would see each other socially. Um, there were like five of us. And that movie, I mean, we were like looking forward to it as if it was, I don't even know, like uh, Jaws or something. Like it, it was like this huge, we were like like building up suspense and then we all got together the day it dropped and we um, maybe partook in some substance abuse and watched the film and it, we just loved it. I mean, it's so out there. It's so bonkers and it's so, it's like really camp and the and cozy and I, I don't know we it really well, spoke to us I think we were going in with a little bit of maybe this is the surprise you're speaking to Norm but of, of course the sort of like camp seeking where we were like I bet this is going to be bad but I'm going to love it mm-hmm. and parts are that parts you're like oh this is a little like you know eye roll but it's actually incredible and and hilarious but also parts are really legitimately good and, and one thing I think that holds it together is because Dolly Parton has written every fucking song the yeah. music is really good that even sometimes when it's a full like Hallmark ad you're like but this song slaps and for this kind of Hallmark since you brought that up like style movie like very pat like we're not like pushing any boundaries I actually found at times the plot to be very surprising. Like I, oh, did, not, I did not. It's sort of a soap know. opera. Yeah, not not like, only over the course of the whole film, like in each scene, sometimes four major and surprising story beats happen. <laughs> and you're like, wait, you're whose daughter? And what happened to your dad? And then yeah. happened in one song and then the whip turn. Like it is shocking. Some of the things that happen in this movie. So when we first watched it, and honestly, you know, we we were asked to pick a couple movies, and this was one of them, and we would love that you picked this. But I think this is the thing it has connected to the movie we made, Dicks, where it's like we were screaming at the screen at some of the stuff that happens yeah. in it. And I think it was made with different intentions and has clearly a different vision, but it had that feeling yeah. of like you were like, oh, my God, at the film. Yeah, there is absolutely a soapiness to it in the structure. Like the the fact that it is so incredibly contrived from the very beginning that this is a movie about – an angry person who wants to sell an entire town. Sell yeah. the town. <laughs> She's like, 
Miranda Priestly meets Cruella DeVille meets Scrooge. She's yeah, doing Scrooge. like three yeah. different things at once. She hates everyone and everything, but she also warms to people immediately, which mm-hmm. is so interesting. Like Christine Baranski is delivering a real performance of a cartoon. Oh, so that's yes. like, that's destabilizing from the first 10 minutes. It's like, it really wait a minute, is. you're singing about your regrets. Gotta get out of this town. You gotta get out of this town. <laughs> as she stares out the window of her limousine as we see like B-roll of a street walking by, you know? And she yeah. wants to tear down the town to build something called Cheetah Mall. <laughs> yeah, and, and so she works with, and this is one of my favorite just phrases in all of media, the Cheetah Mall conglomerate. Yeah. Which is just, it rolls off the tongue. It's got a beautiful mouthfeel, that phrase. It's, it's a mall as big as a town that she wants to build on her childhood So you're home. right, though. It's totally, what did you say, contrived? I forget what word you used. Yeah. But it is, like, totally that. And yet some of the details they pick are so, like, absurd and delightful that, that I, it's, again, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to know the intentions of your writers if you think this is a joke or not. It is landing yeah. for me. Like, I, I just, uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the pastor and his wife who are childless are discussing IVF, but then also immediately say, even if they're not our own kids, like they're leaving adoption open, which is usually the thing that is the stumbling block for these couples. Right. Right. But like you're you're meeting them after they've had these conversations. Absolutely. That scene, sorry, we're jumping around, but that it just comes to mind. The scene with the dad in the hospital with his little girl is incredible and again like you never see this coming as a story beat and then there's like four story beats within it that work and then the song the man sings like a motherfucker to heaven and you're like it like some of the songs are sold so well because they have some really talented singers in it that you're like i i was just like in disbelief on multiple levels and delighted on multiple levels it's truly every christmas i try to do it last christmas and i did it too late but this year i'm going to do it i emailed my local um there's a theater chain called nighthawk that's like alamo and Mm -hmm. i emailed them i was like i want to rent out a theater to screen christmas on the square for my friends but i'd done it too late and they programmed it but this year i'm doing it because i want to see it in a theater i would love to see it with an audience i mean i i just again i am cynical and dead inside and all of those things and at some point it's just like holy shit first of all i didn't even know josh cigarra was a Broadway guy. I had no idea who was a singer. I know him from the other two in She-Hulk. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it turns out he originated the role of Gloria Estefan's husband uh, in that show, and the people liked him more than they liked the actor playing Gloria Estefan. Like, what the hell? It's man? so And there's a lot of, like, a, a lot of the cast we're like, who is this? Because some of them, of course, are like, whatever, Christine Baranski and, you know, like, like people that Jennifer are playing Lewis, Jennifer yeah. Lewis. And we, and have Jennifer to do a whole, Lewis. we have to do 10 minutes on just Jennifer Lewis. I'm yes. flagging that. But then you, like, start looking up these actors you're not aware of, and there's so many, like, Nepo babies in it, which is so funny, because, of course, it's Dolly. Oh, yeah. So she's like, well, I gotta put this kid's, this person's daughter in. And it's no, just like, oh. I think Josh Segar's wife is the daughter of Dolly's manager, right? Yeah. Or okay. agent or something. Or, or lawyer. It's like and there's then, a lot um, of friends and family. Leslie Uggams' daughter is like the uh, like the choreographer or something. There's just like all... And Leslie Uggams is like a Broadway person. There, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure I'm messing it all up. But there are so many interesting people in it. And you're like, who's that? You find out it's Dolly's agent's sister or something. It, it's a blast to, <laughs> to figure out. <laughs> Yeah, well, in the uh, Janine Mason's character, Felicity, who is a secret angel, apparently, who just works oh, as a PA. Yes. Again, did not see that coming 30 minutes in. The idea that Dolly, who is presented as, you know, a person experiencing homelessness, but is the most, like, snatched version of that you've ever seen. Like, in this gorgeous, Full like, makeup. coordinated Full. shawl. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. 
I knew I was like, well, you're going to be an angel, I bet. Right. But then, then she was training another angel. It was like who there is, was who is Christine Baranski's assistant right. who has been a... embedded with the person who is going to yeah, have her life turned like, around. Deep this is the other thing I loved about it again, which we, we do a little in our movie in a different way. It's just like they were pulling tropes from everywhere mm-hmm. and just being like, let's mash them all in there and not even parodying them, just being like, let's just use this thing and use totally. that thing and use that thing. Yeah. Well, and it works for the Christmas thing too, because we have seen everything, right? Like you mm-hmm. buy osmosis alone by the ads that are flying around from the, the beginning of October nowadays to, to yeah. Christmas Day. We've all seen these movies, even if we haven't actually sat through them. So the idea that there are ringer ideas in there, that things that will just be dangled and then dispensed with, or other things that will be legitimately treated seriously, like the the song, the Father's Hospital song, which you oh, mentioned earlier. Truly so a people, gorgeous song. Yeah. yeah. And people who haven't seen the film like will not fully understand just how weird it is for a song like that to start with, if you need to die, it's okay. Yeah, to a child. To his daughter. And he sells it. Like the movie doesn't, the movie absolutely gives you the possibility that this child will be sacrificed for the Christmas gods or whatever and else that, is that, that child, but yeah, she's, she's the sort of the tiny Tim stand in, mm-hmm. but, uh, but she's like, uh, before she, she's hit by a car, she's a bartender. Um, and she, she and that's maybe my favorite scene in the whole movie is the one between her and Bransky doing their little duet. And, and they're like it, world weary um, people together. And she's like a little eight year old girl. It's so funny. It does not condescend to either of them in that scene. Like that's, I, I think oh, they that both was, come out looking fabulous. Yeah. yeah. That was the moment where it's just like, oh, Christine Bransky is absolutely capable of anything. She's, she's a wonderful actress. She, yeah. It's, she puts this kid on the, on an even level with mm-hmm. herself. They sing, she's supporting the song. Like there's no, and and I get it, right? Like this is this is old school stage acting. You don't yes. steal focus from the song, and everybody gets out of everybody else's way. But to see a level of sensitivity to that in a Netflix Warner Christmas movie, whatever it is, right. like this thing could have been made by people who didn't care. Oh yeah, oh. and and it's so hard not to sell that kind of thing out. I mean, I'm a comedian, so like I, it's very hard to be sincere unless the script is good. Then it's very easy. But like. This that is so hard to sell that kind of, like truly that kind of acting is the kind I'm most impressed by. Like you have this just cheese, like Velveeta cheese. Yes. And to just not to not wink at it, to just fully perform it. I mean, it's so impressive to me. She's great. Yeah. And I think that then makes the film work on these multiple levels where it's, right. it's so rare that I can unabashedly love something and then send it to my like extended family. Who's like deeply Christian and Southern and be like, you guys will love this as much as I do. And again, it's cause they're like fully committing to it and they're selling this thing. So it works for me. Yeah. Even or the like. general production value where you're sort of lulled, it tricks you into thinking it's going to be ordinary and boring. Like that opening yes, number yes. with the, the flips and everybody in. Oh, it's a full gap ad. They're like, yeah, just like, yeah. Yeah. It's like a person of every race, all in khakis doing backflips for the town square. It looks like Christmas is selling you a, I mean, gap is selling you a Christmas sweater. Yeah. Except that there's also one woman early on who leaps across the camera and just like blatantly reveals underwear. Like they didn't, even, I was, I like my, I, I don't want to say my jaw dropped, but it's just like, wait a minute. That's, yeah, that's the shot is. you cut. Like that's the shot you don't use, but right. they use it. And so it's like, what the hell? Where, where I, are we? Maybe you've done research I haven't done. Cause you know, we had to shoot our movie musical in 20 days, which was wild. And I, I want to know how many days they had on Christmas on the square. Cause it does feel like I he might've been like, we shot in six days. And I'd be like, how? And yet well, I, I believe it. And yet how? 
And there's conspiracy theories that we are a part of um, where it's like, was Dolly <laughs> even ever on set? Like sometimes she looks so superimposed. On the, sometimes it's very clear she's there, but sometimes you're like, I don't even know if she's in this room. That introductory montage thing where the camera spins around her, she looks like she's three quarters the size of everybody else. I know yes. she's tiny. It yes. feels as if she was like on set, but maybe they only had three days. And so there was a day that was like just Dolly and they did a bunch of singles because they're like, we can't coordinate all these schedules like you know it almost feels like yeah they, there was some crafty filmmaking going on yeah. for it's sure like share in mama mia too where it's like it, it, she was like you got an hour <laughs> yeah and with well, with dolly's character too she's only ever interacting with two people mm-hmm. so you have that excuse like they could have yeah. shot her on a weekend or something totally uh, but i have a feeling she was shot out on a weekend so. yeah but then there are all these effects and these mm-hmm. elaborate like there's they're like there's weird playing with like kitchen stuff in that number she has with uh with felicity with where angel. yeah yeah she suddenly somebody's in a cookie tin for a little while and yes and then there's that whole scene where it, when you know some of the angel stuff is revealed more in full she's just sort of like gently floating up and down the whole scene and so i was just yeah. thinking of if they are shooting in maybe isolated this other woman her eye line they must have had her just sort of drifting up and down the whole scene to cover it i yeah. know there's a tennis ball off camera. That's all yeah, truly. I assume. <laughs> but it does also work. Like, that's the thing that I can't get past. It breaks down your resistance almost immediately by just grounding you in real issues in the middle of this cartoon. Just real quick, I think it's that Dolly wrote such good songs that even when they're yeah, bad, yeah. they're Dolly Parton songs. So, like, it is such an emotional core music that Eve, that you like just are like invested in this thing. But please talk, we have to talk about Treat. Yeah, the Treat Williams of it all, where, you know, now, of course, he's gone and it's it's just heartbreaking to watch him be soulful and quiet in the middle of this thing. But he just like he plays this this man out of time, like even more so than Baranski, who's too modern to be in this world. He's just the timekeeper, literally holding on to everything that the town is losing because he can't get past his own stuff. And then the fact that it blows past he is the father, right? Like he is the dad. Yes. He never gets, yes. like, he has one line in a song about how if grandpa has his way, he'll still be part of your life. But it's like, wait a minute, you, are you telling us that the, the only relationship that, like, is the movie telling us the only relationship that really matters is between the mother and the son? Because the father no longer has a say in what happens after conception, which is amazingly progressive. That twist is so wild. Like, that, you, you, you are like, okay, why does she hate this town? You know, that is so funny that this is the answer <laughs> came up with like it's just so wild uh but yeah it it, 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 it is interesting what it says about um parenthood <laughs> yeah father and- but treat is wonderful oh my god he, again someone that he is in an antique shop that sells like live laugh love posters <laughs> and like one teddy bear and he again is not selling it out i, I can't believe it i can't believe that kind of acting yeah <laughs> it's so well- good. He's the keeper of the town's history and also um, uh, Marjolene, no, not, sorry, not Marjolene. Um, I just lost her. Regina, Regina Fuller, because of course her name is Regina because they love yeah. mean girls somewhere in the script writing yeah. process. <laughs> like it is dealing with every conflict of a holiday movie and then mm-hmm. also none of them because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not what it's about. Like it's never, yeah. it's never about anything for more than six minutes at a time. I just kept watching and I realized it's like yeah. song, song, song. It's dealing with every conflict of the holiday movie in like every song, even. Yeah, That's what I mean. Yeah, like, there's yeah. like so much they bite off to chew in every single thing. 
Yeah. So when did it have you? How long did it take before it, you just stopped relating to it ironically? I mean, it, it's very hard because I love that kind of ironic like relation so much. And I think the movie holds it hand in hand, like very well of like, this song's really good, but also Dolly is playing, uh, you know, a person experiencing homelessness in a fucking with eyelashes, you know, so it like false eyelashes. It's just, so I was sold like this, like from Me the too. jump, like that first shot of the town square. It's just, I'm like, I'm in, this is so funny. Um, but yeah, as it kept, I mean, Christine Baranski in the back of a limo is so funny. Oh, also, doesn't she? She has like cancer. <laughs> uh, there is the possibility of a brain tumor. Yes. Yeah. Which, which that's a tumor <laughs> is dangled and then also incorporated. Um, well, they have to send that other little girl to the hospital, and that's when you know Baranski becomes sort of sidelined for a second. Yeah. It's all. I mean, I guess it explains how she has contact with all these specialists, but at the same time, she flies someone, or she implies that she's going to fly someone else in, no matter what mm-hmm. it costs. And then two scenes later, it's all dealt with. But but it's an idea that oh yeah, you um, you almost hit your doctor, who then tells you like with your car, and then he tells you oh yeah, by the way, I'm glad you almost hit me with your car because I meant to say you have some health issues. Yeah. Well, that's street. Christmas on the square. It's on the square actually. Aaron, yeah, it's not yeah. on the street. Not a not a. Can you come into the office or I have a sensitive phone call? She's like, oh, glad you almost killed me. <laughs> yeah, and it becomes a motif, like it's a runner. Yeah, it happens at least twice, maybe even three times. There's an implication she's going to hit him in the in the hospital somehow with with a gurney or something, but it just keeps finding something, ways um, for it to work. Something Larry Charles would say us to when we were making our movie because there was always discussions of like, should we make some of these characters like grounded and relatable? And it was like, no, they need to be big crazy cartoons. And he was like, what's really honest is if a thing is true to itself and its own rules. Like the audience will respond to that more than sometimes you like shoehorning in something that feels quote unquote honest when the film is not about that. Mm. And this movie feels very true to itself. So I think from the beginning, I was like, I get what this kind of movie is. It's very, it's a, it's a wonderful life in the, like, in the angels, in the sort of evil boss, in the, you know, they're at the, the, the looming death. Like the, there's a lot of it's a wonderful life. In there. Yeah. But the villain is the, is the protagonist yes. in this one, right? Yes. Like cause that, nobody. Christmas Carol and Grinch. <laughs> yeah. You always wonder with it's a wonderful life. Like why did Clarence go after George Bailey? Mr. Potter's right there. Yeah. But I know. Of course you need sympathy for the redemption, but I, by casting Christine Baranski, they automatically give us that. Mm-hmm. The Grinch getting redeemed is part of the fun, so <laughs> we get to watch that. But it's so, like, it's such an odd artificial world that suddenly has real emotions in it. That, I guess that's the thing I wasn't expecting. And and Dix has it with, um, well, with Nathan Lane, like with Harris and the Sewer Boys, his, his relationship has to be paternal, otherwise it's weird, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> if he decides for us, if the movie tells us that... No, he loves them. It's not creepy. Right. We buy in. That's, I mean, obviously that's the moment where the movie either loses you or, or you clasp it to your chest forever. There's several <laughs> moments where you could, it could lose you. Yeah, but the Sewer Boys but is yes. the big ask, I think, for people. Because sure, you're introducing that's... the puppets, you're introducing the song. Uh, and it's the first time that the lyrics start to get self-aware in a way that, that, that proceeds throughout the film. Like just the way that that duet the Malali's character does it too, where they'll just start spouting nonsense in the middle of lyrics. Yeah. But it's consistent with who it's yeah, it's true to who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Christmas in the Square doesn't quite go that far, but it does have people calling out the unreality of the situation here and there, which keeps us on side in the same way. I know, and that's I think that's like a bit. I mean, I, I know she didn't like write it, but that that's that Dolly. Like Dolly is so smart at like knowing her character, like knowing what she gives, and mm. and she's always winking at the audience, but in a way that's not condescending. It's like, yes. come on, c- come with me, you know. And I think, and um, it's the joy of musicals. Them, but, like musicals, yeah, musicals instantly are like suspend your disbelief. You know what I mean? So it's like you you have like told the audience right off the bat, like we're doing a show for you, you know. Mm. But, but yeah, Dolly is the queen of that, of sort of like being the thing while also making fun of the thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Her level of, I guess it's. It's not self-effacement, right? Like she knows exactly what she's capable of. She never plays down her talent, but she does mm-hmm. play up the artifice, I guess. Yes, yes, definitely plays up the artifice. The wigs and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and just, that famous uh, um who's that with Patty LaBelle where she's yeah, where she's doing her nails as percussion. Like that is so oh, dolly. Yeah. Like that it's like look at my fake nails, but I'm also going to make an instrument out of you, them and also now sing like incredibly. It's it's like that. She has a very, it's very skilled. It's deaf. And, not and very, again, yeah. not to be full Susan Sontag, but it's like the definition of camp. It's like you were doing the thing and acknowledging the artifice at the same time and doing both fluidly. It's like, yeah, it's you've nailed impressive. the assignment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, it's Norm interrupting my own show to bring you up to speed on Shiny Things, my newsletter about physical media, culture, and the odd streaming project. This week, I wrote about Barbie and the last voyage of the Demeter, and the new 4K releases of Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and David Cronenberg's Videodrome. Seriously. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at shiny-things.ghost.io, or find a link at the Semcast Twitter account. You like reading about movies? I like writing about them. Come check it out. Okay, so this is weird, and I wasn't going to call it out, but I think I kind of have to. This is the third straight episode of this podcast to be Dolly adjacent. No, uh, wait, what were the other two? Two weeks ago. Oh, no, shoot. We missed one. Damn it. It's the recording order. Uh, two, Three weeks ago, on October 3rd, Carolyn Taylor picked 9 to 5 for her episode. And then the okay. following week, Vivek Shreya picked The Bodyguard for her episode, which, of wow. course, is both on I Will Always Love You, which Dolly wrote. Yeah. Uh, and then because of the order in which these have been released, last week's episode was Jennifer Cram on Reality Bites. But I'm sure there's something in there. There's got to be something There's a Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation. Yeah, it was immediately after The Bodyguard. These characters would have just seen it. How about that? Definitely. But the fact that she has permeated the rest of popular culture, as opposed mm. to just the the sort of country western right. camp continuum, which is, a I know, a big one. But she is, so, and also, of course, the the movie just happened to land on Netflix immediately after the revelation that she'd sponsored the Moderna research into the COVID vaccines. Oh, yes. And there's this active movement to canonize this person. And I'm, I'm on board. I'm fine with it. But it's just incredible that she has reached this point in her celebrity to, like, be the next Betty White, basically. Yeah, like someone yeah. who well, everyone loves and no one can possibly have a problem with. Yeah, there's a universality, which is funny because she is specific. Like, she's not really doing the thing you normally do to be universal, which is try to sort of pander. Like, but right. something about the specific character she's created, like, or, like the film itself. It's like my 
ultra conservative family loves her and I love her too. We love her for the same reasons, but also different reasons, but it's mm-hmm. an equal love. Yeah. yeah. Every new story about Dolly Parton makes her seem like a better person, which is the, like the thing about libraries that she was donating, quietly been donating yes. books to libraries for decades and just, I don't know why it's all coming out now. Maybe it's because everyone's sharing stories and feeling like it's okay to start talking about this stuff. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, she uh, yeah she's she is she is like a, a modern saint. But it's just so funny that she's also like you know Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah. Has double D cup breasts, and it's yeah, like it's sort like of fashioned her herself gym. into a drag queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, that's true. Like she's it takes crossed a lot over of money on to that. look this cheap. That's her quote, right? Yes. <laughs> so. Okay, um, so it's been three years. I'm just trying to figure out the, the film made almost no impact culturally because it was on Netflix during COVID, right? Like everybody, everybody right. saw it and then forgot it and rolled on to the next thing. But the season is coming and uh, Josh, you're trying to book a theater and I think that's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, how do we make this go bigger? How do we make this? Can you do like a, a Dick's and Christmas musical double bill somehow? Oh, is there, is there a, a way with A24 to roll this things together? I think the 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 one benefit that uh, Christmas movies have is every network is always every December is like, well, we have to fill every hour with holiday or Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. So it has that like rewatchable quality. Like it can't ever fully die because it's a Christmas movie. So I hope it keeps catching on. I mean, it's it's trapped by Netflix. So it's like, I wish it would be able to like get play out on, you know, all the other networks, like when USA or whatever does 24 days of Christmas or whatever. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it, it has to like, it, it, the longevity is there. It has that chance. <laughs> Did you ever consider putting a Christmas number into Dick's? <laughs> no, but we keep we've... joking that the sequel will be, um, uh, will be a Christmas. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Josh, you can go ahead. Oh, no, that's going to say the same thing. Yeah. Writing musicals is hard. So we're like, if we do this again, it'd be fun if they were all Christmas carols. That's sort of a modality <laughs> that you can play in. Well, and you never, like, you never leave the party once you do that, I find. Like, even the even the shabbiest Christmas movies are remembered for some reason because they come around every year, because right. there's this endless need for content, the churn of, of Christmas content, which sounds horrible, but maybe that's the hook. Mm-hmm. I, I hope and yeah. pray. Again, maybe my one screen viewing in New York City will be such a smash that it'll, you know. <laughs> Netflix owns the Paris, the right? Of, oh, I would love yeah. to see it in the... They really... Who do we know at Netflix? That it would come, like, one night only at the Paris? Come on. In December. Christmas Eve with Dolly. Why not? Yeah. She could do a Q&A after. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, that is one that's dying for... Um, to be readapted to the stage. Like do that as like a limited Broadway, like eight week holiday run and Dolly plays the angel. Are you kidding? That would be gangbusters. Yeah. I would go to see that. I would, I hate to admit it, but I would. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate to admit it. I'd pay three <laughs> digits prices. Like, get the exact same cast. They all can do it. Yeah. I mean, do you stage it in New York? Do you stage it in Los Angeles? Where do you, like, where do you, where do you play to? Maybe they do, maybe they do like they used to, like when Mary Martin was doing um, South Pacific and it's like, like you could play it in New York and then you tour it and like little runs in LA, little run in Tennessee, a little run in Dallas, because everybody loves Dolly. (laughs) So you do a couple nights in all the cities. Oh my God. And it can't be that complicated. I mean, it's four sets. It's not that hard. I mean, I was thinking there, there are a lot of locations in the film. 
Um, which makes me wonder how it was staged originally. But yeah, I guess if it's on the square and then everything's happening in the back behind. Yeah. You just, you, you pull in, zoom in where you want to go. I think a live broadcast would probably maybe be the way to go with this thing. Oh, like, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's really Have smart. those sort of fallen out of favor? I feel like they were having such a moment and they don't feel like they're happening as much anymore. I would love to bring those back. I think COVID killed them. They, I think it was the yeah, like the, the, yeah. the rehearsal combination, the combination of rehearsal and people who might have to drop out at any given moment because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But it'll come back yeah, that's really get healthier. Or you just do them outside. Yeah, they definitely will. Wait, we haven't even talked about um, how Christine Baranski goes to her childhood home, her friend, Jennifer Lewis, her childhood friend's home to get like a facial. <laughs> Haircut and facial right in the, like on Christmas, the I guess December 23rd, the right? official that- I'm burning this town down, but you still have to cut my hair appointment. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We can talk about it. It's an incredible sequence. Hair as well as <laughs> oh, Jennifer right. Lewis fully playing that, Jennifer that, Lewis. Like that. I just think it's such an amazing, strange plot point in the in the early. It, just a way to meet her is like oh, I'm going and getting a facial. I just think it, it's so bizarre and so funny. And then there are so many ways those characters could have a scene together, and then they choose that. To me, is is um, that's so specific. <laughs> and then they were best friends, you know. Yeah, the power dynamic is so weird because they are. They're like lifelong best friends. They're on equal footing. Uh, one has money and one has politics. So it doesn't oh, yeah. feel like Jennifer's there's... also the mayor, we should <laughs> yeah. say. With no power, with no power to <laughs> yes. stop the sale. But all the the authority to stand up to her personally, except that she's still doing her hair and putting green stuff on her face. Uh-huh. I just, I couldn't figure out where it was coming from, but it's just, it's obviously like they can't just stand in a room and argue. You have to give them something to do. You need business. Yeah, you need a business, but it's like let's put cucumbers on your eyes. And it's just it, I don't know. That to me is is so. And then she stops the haircut in the middle of it, right? Yeah, She's yeah. Like, Get out of here! I'm mad at you. Stocks <laughs> off with a half finished hair. Who who else in the town can finish that haircut? There, there seems to be only one of every job, so I don't know who else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think she just we see Berinsky brush it at one point, like with her hand, just push it back into place, and oh, then yeah. the next scene she looks fine because this is a Christmas movie. Yeah, and then. <laughs> it's just very Richard scary. Like you're the painter, you're the, you know, everybody has their little job, but, and they all yeah. go to church. Yes. Of course. Which brings us back to pastor Christian and his situation. <laughs> I mean, his name is Christian. It's, I, again, Christian. That is, that's the funniest joke of all time. Pastor Christian. So good. Yeah. And they even call it out, right? Like somebody says like, I'll see you pastor Christmas at the Christian pageant or something. Uh, yes. Yeah. Have a little fun with it. Yeah. Also, there's a line she says, the wife, um, in their in their song that we love. What is it? Your ministry and vision for this town are beyond reproach. Right. <laughs> Something about that line really sits with us. They also call Christmas the holiest day of the year, which I thought was Easter, but again, not my faith. Uh, yeah, it just depends on who you ask, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And it is that weird thing too about all Christmas movies where they really can't deal with the holiday at all. Like the holiday, the significance of the holiday is about family and gathering and togetherness and all of that. And you can't really get into the religion of it. But then in this one, people actually do pray. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- that's Dolly too. She's always happy to like play to her Christian base, mm-hmm. and then, but also then like, there's all these gay guys running around the salon, and you know, and she's like, I know you're here too. Like, she does that so well. And again, it's that deft touch she has. Yeah, some of them are at church, which I thought was strangely mm-hmm. inclusive. Mm-hmm. Not strangely, but nicely inclusive. Yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> I just, it's such a weird tightrope to walk. And Debbie Allen as a director doesn't do anything to tip it in any direction. I think that's, a, I think that's deliberate, but it's also, it's like kind of the opposite of the safe choice where if your Christmas movie doesn't tell its audience where it stands, you risk losing some of them. But again, yeah. Dolly, right? Like she's the unifier. I think Absolutely. so. Maybe the dancer is Deb, Debbie Allen's daughter, like sort of the da- the lead dancer of the. the, the anyway, oh, there's that so, there's tracks. something. There's some. There's several nepos in there. <laughs> it's a. It's Dollywood. All are she's welcome. A, she's a choreographer in her own right, and all this stuff. But um, yeah, it, it is. It's a family affair. That movie. <laughs> I still want to come back to Josh Cigar and his situation for a second. Yes. I thought I thought he was dubbed. I mean, it's obviously it's just the way they're they're seeing the playback. Yeah. But his voice, his own delivery is so kind of looser and and casual and then when he starts singing he's a, he's got this incredible control of tone that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um <laughs> and I thought it's like why would you cast that? Like, this is what I meant. I didn't know he was, he'd come from Broadway. And I'm like, oh, why would you cast Josh Cigar in this? He's a comedian. What is the point of this? And it's like, it went the other way. People figured out he was funny after the fact. Yeah, <laughs> it is bizarre. It, it's really fun when the little Broadway people sneak into Hollywood and <laughs> people forget their shameful past of stage acting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the lowly. Goransky, well, of course, is like sure. Broadway legend, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and the two of you started at UCB offstage singing or offstage, off, 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 off Broadway, as far off as you can get. Chris keeps calling it off Broadway, but it was not an equity contract. We did it for (laughs) negative dollars. We did not get paid. We are not in that union. (laughs) No, it's a thing, though, right? Like the assumption that if you were on stage singing in New York, it was off Broadway. Oh, yeah. yeah, It's so crazy. And, and, and. We're, I was like, no, it was a 30 minute sketch show. It was not, <laughs> it was not a full play with an intermission. And um, again, yeah. with a union. <laughs> well, and so to that end, that, that lets us talk more about the, the specifics of the process of dicks. So you go from 30 minutes to what is it? 87 with credits. Yeah. <laughs> How long was that process? And did it evolve? Did it evolve while you were doing it on stage? Or did you just spin it into a screenplay after the fact? Definitely after the fact. Yeah. When we were doing it as this two-man show, like truly in the basement of a grocery store, it was it, we thought maybe we'd get like a general meeting to introduce ourselves at Comedy Central. But then um, sort of a producer saw it and was like, would you want to pitch it as a movie? And then we wildly sold it to Fox, who read it and was like, well, they can't fucking make this. But then, <laughs> but then the script existed, and so then A24 wanted to make it. So it had one of those classic sort of meandering Hollywood journeys, but certainly like wanted to keep some of the DNA of the stage show and feeling like a runaway train. And whereas that was like 30 minutes of sort of plot compressing the parent trap, this was like, well, you can't just expand the parent trap or it just becomes the parent trap. So it's still right. sort of like starts like that and then takes a bunch of left turns. But um, yeah, it was, it was developed over many years and sort of got very big when we were trying to make it a Fox movie and then weirdly became sort of cozy again. And again, shot on sets that, you know, are sets. Mm. Um, yeah once we were going to make it in the sort of like a 24 indie space. Right. But you need to have the artifice again. It's the same as Christmas on the square, right? Like you yes. need to let us know that it's not real because then we have more room to let it be real. As, as much as I love what Spielberg did with West side story, that's what Spielberg can do with money, right? Like nobody else has those resources then that, totally. that, that package yeah. to, to work with. Yeah. And we did not have a um, hundred million dollars. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that, that movie, our movie, I don't think wants a hundred million dollars, but um, it, 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 I think we sort of embraced the um, low budget, and I think it 
it makes the audience kind of feel like it's theirs and they discovered it, um, which is, is is the intent of that kind of handheld quality. We we embrace the artifice rather than trying to make you think like, oh, this is really New York or this is really, it's a back lot, you know, it's part of the fun. And it's sort of like, Mary, I always hope that was the thing that like brings the audience in because it feels like you're sort of like in the room watching us make this movie with you. And, and that that was like in the DNA of the stage show of sort of feeling like you get to capture that that energy of live performance and that sort of like I'm in the room with you feeling, which you don't always get in movies. And, and in musicals, like you're saying, it's like you sort of want that, especially from something like this that's so stylized and gonzo. But in general, it's like it's, you know, we know you're singing. It's it's a performance. And Larry was just really good too about because uh, it yes, it's very proscenium and shot like you're in the room and you're getting all that. But like even things that make it very cinematic to me, but are still qu- quite meta, like the camera like flinches sometimes. Like the camera is a character, so you're just suddenly aware of the camera operator and you know, things like that. I think are are, are really um, uh, like what's special and fun about our movie and um, what is we've been talking about the meta of Christmas on the square. It's a very different kind of meta and a very different kind of like two, doing two things at once, but that's what they do have in common and being hit musicals. <laughs> yes. It's the glee of getting away with something. Yes, and and yes, the, the yes. sense that the audience gets to share that sort of awareness. It is. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It is meta, but it's also like it's baked in to the ones right. that work. The audacity. Well, and it's, it's that thing too, where it's like, there's a, different types of meta. And I think we hoped we did a thing. And I think Dolly does in a different way where it's like, you're owning the artifice, but you're not really trying to like call the thing out that much. Like occasionally we'll do that for a joke, but you're not trying to like sell it out. Like you are trying to like go for it and do this thing while acknowledging what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, I think especially a lot of comedies and comedy musicals do a lot of like winking, you know? And mm-hmm. and we try actually not to wink that much really in the movie. Yeah. Like the, it's a, it's an honest to God musical. That, but then as, as I'd say like what to me what's so meta about it is like it's a movie and it's like very much letting you know it's a movie but like the musical is just like everybody's in, in on the musical and I think the same with Dolly it's like they're making their what they're winking at is not the musical it's like well we're just doing a musical like get on board with that and then there's other things that we'll sort of call attention to yeah which you want right you want an informed audience too like you want the you want us to be as uh, aware of the tropes and aware of the machinery. Yes. Yeah, you're not exactly. trying to hide it. Right, right, right. All right, double bill at the Paris. We'll make this. <laughs> I think perfect. So. I think it's done. Ours is essentially. It's got Christmas spirit. I think. Yeah, it's not a Christmas film. Yeah, just CG a little hats on a couple of little hats yeah, on the sewer boys. Perfect. The sewer boys, maybe the um, genitalia as well. <laughs> <Oof>. Candy canes. <laughs> That's right Very there. Good. A Sewer Boys Christmas would actually be the best title for this. You could Anything. do you could do an album. I think so. Yeah. I think they're ready Beautiful. for their Christmas album. <laughs> uh, that's a great idea. My thanks to Josh Sharp and Aaron Jackson, who you can and must see singing and dancing their way through Dick's the Musical in theaters everywhere right now. Thanks also to Ali Lemaire Shedden. She knows what she did. You can find Aaron and Josh on Instagram at Garbage Troll and Cluck Cluck Josh Sharp, respectively, and you can find Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square streaming on Netflix. It's only a matter of time before Josh and Aaron talk A24 into doing a special edition Blu-ray for it. You can find me on Blue Sky at Norm Wilner, and you can find this podcast there at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. 
The first year of the show is still available for just 20 bucks at payhip.com slash semcast. That's the first 52 episodes of someone else's movie, 44 of which aren't currently available anywhere else. And check out my newsletter, Shiny Things, at shiny-things.ghost.io. I think you'll enjoy it. Our theme song is by The Last Year. If you like it or this show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been listening. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're doing that. Stay safe, watch movies, wear a mask if you go out, get your booster when you can. I'll see you next week.